Hi, my name is Ryan McDonough, and you are listening to The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show. Um, I'm looking at a picture that I, I, I got of you when I met you at Summer League a couple years ago. And your, gray, your, your beard's looking a little grayer, man. Uh, yeah. Baby is a baby's wearing Every yet? off season, it gets a little grayer. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, no, it's just, it is. It's a baby. It's just life. It's slowly getting me. <laughs> Mine, mine's coming in gray too now, Red. But mine's my girl's three, so uh, she, she, she's yeah, exactly. A, it, it gets worse. That's what I'm trying to say, Red. So, I everybody that was wondering, I fixed my mic. So I am Greg Esposito, your host. Ahoy, hoy, Red Reese, Dave King. For those of you who could not hear before, uh, it is a solar party edition of the solar panel here on a wednesday night oh, so uh, i heard you fine but you were like were you not i uh, so i have a i have a program you guys are we're talking to you through skype i have a program that broadcasts it to the fine people and i have myself muted because i've been using this program for my day job to actually broadcast yes. things and i'm the producer so i'm not supposed to be on uh, on air uh, so i keep it muted and apparently i uh, was still on mute so there's your explanation. Uh, I'd like to have that mute button. So just when you're making a point that I don't agree with, I just tap it and off you go. Yeah, well, guess, <laughs> guess what? I have all the power and you guys will have to sit here and listen to me. So, <laughs> so we got we got plenty to talk about tonight, uh, which is amazing because they haven't played basketball in what feels like four years. But the first thing officially this week and guys i'm going off book we i didn't tell you i was going to talk about this but officially this week the suns did announce that if they be they return to play uh this summer and they do it here in phoenix not one of these quarantine situations where all teams would be in one city the suns will in fact play their home game their remaining six home games if they play them at the veterans memorial coliseum now right uh, you grew up uh, in Arizona. I assume that I there. You, you probably have been uh, to a few Suns games if, at the old Veterans at Memorial Coliseum. Many games, actually. Uh, yeah, I saw a lot of half times where uh, women had to go and shoot free throws to win free hams. Uh, they used to do that at <laughs> halftime. Uh, they they, uh, they had a, uh, you know, that old fiddle music. They lost the fiddle music. So, at some point during the third or fourth quarter when the Suns would go on a run and the fans are really into it, during the timeout, they would go to this fiddle music. And it was like old country western fiddle. And it would bring the house every time. It was so great. And then at some point when they moved to the new arena and things got more modern, they let the fiddle music go. And it just about killed me. So I love the Madhouse on McDowell. Saw many, many games there. That's that's. That's the gray in my beard speaking. <laughs> yeah, and that's where my dad, I, I've gone to a few games there too as well, uh, and that's where my dad had season tickets for many, many years, all the way through that, um, well, right up until the finals run, I guess, because uh, they did the finals run at the America West Arena. Uh, but definitely my dad loved his seats there at the Madhouse, and now I get to um, hopefully, hopefully cover some games there. That'd be really fun. I'm coming back for sure. If that happens, I, if I had to guess, it won't happen. But I think that's we it. have to leave one happen, of us. I'm there. It has to be like the White House, though, where you leave one key person out of the building in case it falls, so at least <laughs> one of us survive. Yeah. All right, I'll stay away. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be the one son's dignitary to not be in the building. Uh, That's right. You can I, report I, from outside. I, I, I agree. Like, I was just going to say, doesn't the stadium look like a stack of Pringles? Uh, that's what I always yeah, think it's, of. When it's the Pringle, yeah, the Pringles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I don't the know. The original I, low slung. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I agree with you, Rhett, though. I highly doubt we're actually going to get to that point. I think if we see games, yeah. they're going to wind up in this quarantined one city all games played in one arena kind of situation uh if we get uh, anything uh I'm for the remainder skeptical. of the season wimbledon's already been canceled they just canceled the british open golf tournament too in june so, yeah, I, th- so I think we're in through june's canceled yeah yeah but i'm then skeptical it's just that the cool. nfl is going to play i don't think the nfl is going to play so that's... that is the big key because there's so much money college football and the nfl Oh my God! Can you imagine yeah. these guys missing a whole college season? Yeah, it's 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 gonna be 
we're gonna have to dig real. Yeah, we're gonna have to dig real deep to find topics. Is what I'm thinking. Uh, moving Can forward, you imagine we we'll sitting here in August going, "What do you think? Are they gonna play college football?" And, <laughs> okay. and when, is the NBA draft gonna be held sometime in uh, January? You guys think? You yeah. know, that's one thing I am looking forward to is the NFL draft. They're gonna do it all online, and we'll get to watch this. I don't know how the hell they're gonna do it. Different single person war rooms like us just sitting there in our little walk-in closets and the sound, uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I am very curious and I'm very excited. It's pretty much all we have, right? I mean, I know that it's NFL like first me. round, yeah. I know those first seven or eight guys as well as I know my own family at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we have. That's right. It's all, it's all ESPN playing that. And somehow old WWE wrestling matches I've seen on, uh, on ESPN uh, at different times. You know over what? The last Tonight few weeks. was the game seven. Uh, Wednesday night, as we're, as we're recording this, they just finished showing game seven of the 2016 finals. Oh, wow. Uh, brought them back from 3 1 down. I actually, uh, uh, my, what I, when I just tuned in, like in the fourth quarter, I just didn't even know it was on. I tuned in in the fourth quarter. My first reaction is, oh my God, these guys are so tired. They couldn't make a single shot, they were short arming everything. Yeah, and they were. I remember them talking about how exhausted they were, both teams, by the end of that finals after those seasons they played. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I don't actually mind getting to relive some of the some of the older stuff. You know, I, I don't mind watching these older games on ESPN and and NBA TV. It's, it's not the same as as new games. I get it, but it's kind of fun to re uh, relive some of that. As long as we can see it. Can you believe we sat through all that grainy television back then and we oh, thought it was true. clear? Oh, man, I know. <laughs> Horrifying. That, that is very true. Well, speaking <laughs> speaking of uh, old, uh, old games and, and grainy <laughs> and uh, foggy memories and, and, and all that stuff, I, I wanted to throw this out to, to you guys. And, Rhett, since you're the guest, you can, you can answer first. But if you could only relive – one sports moment or or one sports series uh, throughout an entire quarantine like we're going through, what would you pick? And I, you know, it doesn't have to be Suns related, you know, but uh, what what sports moment would you pick to have to watch over and over again uh, while in quarantine? Uh, I, I might. That's tough. Uh, I might go with the Diamondbacks run in 2001. Uh, that that series against the Yankees was just such a roller coaster. And granted, we had not invested as much into that franchise at that point. They hadn't been in Phoenix that long, but it was just the, the ups and downs, and then the payoff and the championship. I I have that recap on DVD. You know, they have, they have the World Series champion. They do that DVD recap, and yeah. about every four or five years, I dust it off and watch it, and it kind of walks you through the season, and but mostly the playoffs and the World Series, and. Uh, it just, it's goosebumps on top of my goosebumps every time. So I'll go with that. I'll send, yeah, well, I, I, actually, I actually have every game of that series in a DVD box set. I should send it your they way played, so you can watch ooh, it. That's <laughs> yeah, nice. They played actually game seven the other day, I guess on Fox. I didn't, I didn't catch it, but, um, a lot of people were tweeting about it. Yeah, yeah no, that How was, you, that Dave? was really interesting, but you know what? A lot of our, well, not a lot, but some of our listeners weren't even alive, uh, for that. So I guess I probably shouldn't even go further back because I would, I would, I would replay ninety five percent of the ninety three finals. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I would play ninety five percent of the twenty ten playoffs, maybe ninety nine percent of the twenty ten playoffs, and just stop the twenty ten playoffs for the Suns um, with a minute left. I think that would be yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, those were after the Jason Richardson bank in. And let's just pretend that won the game, and we'll just yeah, uh, just call it. Yeah, I think that playoff run is is high on that list just because it was unexpected. I probably would love to relive that first seven seconds or less uh, playoff yeah. run and 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 at the tail oh, God, end of that yeah. season, mm-hmm. just just because that was so much fun to watch. Although I'm kind of afraid if you went back and watched it now it wouldn't be as fun because the game has evolved so much past that team. And at the time they felt revolutionary. It felt fast. It felt free flowing. And part of me wonders, would it, 
it's going to look some of the luster. Yeah. Yeah. It would look, it would look plotting right now, which I wonder if that that, that is interesting. I think you're right. I think in retrospect, it might not have been that exciting. It would be real fun to go back. And I don't know if this was 2010, Dave, because my years are maybe a little foggy, but uh, the, the Nash, Kobe, uh, the, the, the Tim Thomas, uh, the Raja Bell close. That was line. 06. Oh, that was, when was that? 06. Oh, 06. I really have my, my year. Yeah. 14 years Raja ago. Raja with the clothesline and yeah, Kobe. And, and was that, and that was when we beat the Clippers, right? Where, where yep. Tim Thomas yep. hit the, hit the three. That, that, I was there for that game when, um, actually, uh, Raja Bell tied it in game five against the Clippers or was it game six, game five oh, against from the, the Clippers. From the baseline, right? That, from that the baseline. Was, yeah. Oh, that was just so Daniel great. Ewing, poor Daniel Ewing. He never had a career after that. That's right. <laughs> he came in for just that five seconds or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, and then, and then the famous game seven where Kobe quit, remember he just like yep. halfway through the game, he just started, started didn't take any shots. Using to shoot. It was like such a Bush league move <laughs> on his part. I, mean, I, I know. I never, I never got respect back for him after that. God rest his soul. But that was a, that was a, uh, that, yeah, that was just a, a very classless ending to a wonderful series. I mean, from my perspective, I couldn't have loved it more. But but I will have to say now, let me just uh, turn it around just a little bit uh, to give Kobe some props, and not just because it's in memoriam. But um, man, that 2010 playoffs, I hated him so bad for that. But he was so good in that 2010 he did conference kill us. finals, yeah. and he was all you know. He was he wasn't even a. He wasn't even a dick about it. He turned around, he popped Alvin Gentry on the butt after making one of his killer shots. <laughs> but he did miss the key when he airballed it, and that's why we lost, right? Wasn't that the yeah, runner's well, test? Yeah. Right. So that's why I would watch all but the last few seconds of that game. I mean, and then 2007, all but the last few seconds of game, you know, through game four. Uh, you know, 2006, oh. all but all until <laughs> Raja Bell pulled his uh, calf in game one of the conference finals. There's so many all against the foggy. Yeah, the fogginess sets in. But I was at the game where Boris and Amari were suspended. And, oh yeah, yep, and me too. Great seats, and that uh-huh. was the only Suns game. That was the only Suns game I ever went to where the whole crowd stood the whole game. We never sat yep. down the whole game. That's my memory yep. anyway. That was and incredible. I, never, I was there too. Same thing. Didn't sit down the whole game, and foolishly thought we had a chance when really the Spurs were just playing. Well, but really? we did lead the whole game, and Kurt Thomas was playing his butt off, and like Jimmy yeah. Jackson, this guy's like, we really, we we were really gonna win it, I thought, and then just Bruce Bowen and some threes, and I, I, I just, it was the most heartbreaking loss I've ever been to. Live. <laughs> the whole Suns franchise is heartbreaking loss on threes. I mean, yep. one of my most visceral memories was going to a, it wasn't even playoff games, it was Christmas Day game, against the Spurs. I don't know, in uh, the late two thousands, no. It was at 08. Maybe it was 08 or 09. Christmas Day game against the Spurs. Suns had a chance. Grant Hill had made a shot to uh, put the Suns up, I believe, by two uh, with, like, one possession left. And Tony Parker broke it down and dished it to um, uh, Roger Mason Jr. in the corner. And (laughs) Mason hit the three as the buzzer sounded to win the game on Christmas Day. The entire crowd, the entire – we were going, ah, nobody sat down. Everybody was screaming, ah. <laughs> complete silence that that pretty much sums up being a Suns fan right there let's that's let's, why i went diamondbacks why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> okay yes that's the other uh, for the major sports for the major four major sports because we have like 84 championships in the minor sports but in the major sports that's the only one so Rhett, you win you I win this know. contest i would still take to be honest, I would still put the Cardinal Super Bowl run up against Even the Even that went down the last 30 but, seconds but, to But, lo- but to listen, lose. it was that one was so improbable that making the Super Bowl as a Cardinals fan was pretty much like winning the Super Bowl. What's the play he, you, win, you remember the most? It though, sort man. of was. It was all gravy for me I, I, until I went to Tampa Bay because I, I was at that game. And when James Harrison ran that thing back... I remember oh Bruce Springsteen played at halftime and like, he's my favorite guy, Bruce Springsteen, but I was enraged the entire time. He was playing. <laughs> I, I couldn't get over it. And then I sort of, I let it in when Larry broke that long pass yeah. cash yeah. touchdown, my brother and I, you know, were hugging and tears were coming down our face and I let it in. And that was the mistake there. Yeah. You know what? The first yep. thing I did, I was watching that uh, with family that day. And the first thing I did was look at the freaking clock and I'm like, Oh God. 
Oh God. But there's two and a half minutes. Why did they do a 50 yard touchdown with two and a half minutes left? That, but I will say that Kurt Warner uh, appeared in three Super Bowls. He, he, his team took the lead in all three Super Bowls on their final offensive possession. Exactly. His final chance, he got a touchdown all three times to take the lead, but his team lost two of them. Interestingly, he did get the ball back after Santonio Holmes caught that pass, but it was like with about 20 seconds. Or yeah, so. that's that it's doesn't hard really to call it an offense. Doesn't possession. really count. But his last real potential touchdown drives in three Super Bowls put his team ahead all like three that times. That guy, you know, Hall of Famer. He's he's an amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. so let's put a little spin on it. We we did the teams, but if you could only watch one player and their highlights. For uh, uh, you know their Arizona highlights, we're not. You can't say Shaq because he played for the Suns and then then watch him. But if you could choose one Arizona player and all you could watch during quarantine is that specific player's highlights for your uh, for your entire time, who would you select? Uh, Dave, we'll start with you this time. Oh man, you're gonna start with me this time. One Suns player. And I can only watch his son's highlights. It can be any Arizona athlete, but you can only watch their highlights from when they're in Arizona. So you can't say James Harden and take his you know ASU I'm days and Houston. I'm going to steal this. I'm going to steal this from a Twitter friend. And I'm sorry I forgot your name. I could probably look at my mentions, but I, <laughs> I don't have time right now. But I had suggested Nash, obviously, was the obvious winner because you tweeted this the other day, Greg. And then someone replied to me really intelligently and said, you should pick Marion because then you get to watch Marbury kid and Nash all as the point wow. guards and Marion through, through all those different kinds of teams and all the way through the good years of the seven seconds less. The only thing you're missing would be the 2010 run. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually so Sean Marion. That's my call. Uh, Rhett, uh, you've had a few seconds to think about it. I, Do you can't, have a I can't beat that because that's actually a better answer than the one I'm going to give. Uh, I'm going to go Charles Barkley. And that's just because, when when Barkley was playing for us, I always said there were two games going on. There was the game, and then there was Charles. Like, Charles was the game within the game, just watching him. Like, the, chant, the, the, the times I had good tickets when he was on the team, my eyes never left him. I just watched him, and he was so entertaining. Just his body language, the way, the, the, you know, the, the, the gun to the head when he missed free throws, you know, the kicking his, his mouthpiece into the stands, the, all that stuff, like, he yeah. was just a joy to watch, uh, you know, the good and the bad, just the big personality. Oh, yeah, I remember now the gun to the head when he missed free throws. <laughs> That's right. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was just so fun to watch. And and it was one of those things where I know he was sort of like a Jeff Hornacek had to leave town for him to come. And Hornacek had been my favorite. And so I feel like we didn't really earn Barkley. He kind of fell in our laps. And yet about a year into his time with us, I said, I hate to say it. He's just my favorite son ever. It's just too, too, too gosh darn fun watching him. <laughs> uh, Charles is, is, is my favorite. And I would probably, probably pick him if I had to pick a son's guy. KJ is another one, because if you think about it, you get to watch him, uh, with uh, you get to watch him with Chambers and that whole run in the Cotton Express. Then you get to watch the finals run, and you get the you get the tail end of the career where he played with uh, with the rest of those teams as well. So you're getting you're getting uh, your mix of Barkley and Chambers and uh, you know and a bunch of guys that you get to watch within that. But I think the ultimate answer to this, and uh, uh, this came from a lot of discussion on Twitter, but. I think it is Jake Plummer, because if you choose Jake Plummer, you get to watch his run with ASU in that undefeated season, right? And then you get to watch that Cardinals playoff run that first time they made the playoffs in 98. So you get two pretty iconic uh, runs from from one player in that uh, in two different uniforms. That one struck me as as a pretty good value pick in in this kind of thought experiment. I like it. Yeah, so. yeah, I think we have some good choices. Anybody new? I, get it. I haven't checked the comments. Nope, no, nobody in the com. Uh, one uh, actually, uh, Rip ninety three Ford says Larry Fitzgerald, and it's tough to argue going and with who Fitz. Says I look like a shaggy dog. Hey, look, man. <laughs> Dave's getting grouchy, but yeah, I think Fitz is a good call too. 
The the thing that I would find immensely frustrating with watching Larry Fitzgerald highlights is you'd have to see the 14 really crappy quarterbacks that threw him the ball uh, outside of uh, Carson Palmer, Kurt Warner, and Kyler Murray. You'd have to deal with the Max Halls of the world and the uh, uh, you know the John. It's a Skeltons. good point. I mean, Larry Larry may actually be underrated because if you'd given him Tom Brady that whole stretch or Aaron Rodgers, that would I mean it would have even been that much greater. Well, look, I mean, look at the, you you the basically it's him and Jerry Rice, right? That's that when you look at the the statistics, Jerry Rice had Joe Montana, Steve Young. I believe he had Gannon uh, in in Oakland when he played in Oakland. Like the three main guys who threw him the ball were better than than pretty much anybody Fitz had, uh, and and Fitz had to go through so many bad quarterbacks. I think that makes him the best receiver of all time because he did more with less uh, than than a lot of the other guys. So I do like like the Fitz uh, answer, Jim. Uh, Jim Rose uh, in the in the chat says Paul Westfall. Westfall. Because I don't know if uh, too many people alive actually have watched Paul Westfall play basketball. But there's a caveat here. Since he coached those 93 teams, uh, they, you uh, know, those 90s. Er, do you get those? Teams, that's a bonus. You, you get Plus those. Plus you get to see some fun Grand Canyon college stuff yeah. with those fans going crazy. Yep, so... So there you go. Yeah. I actually think uh, Jim in the chat just uh, just had the best answer in terms of a son's guy because you would get to Rhett's mm-hmm. point, GCU, his son's playing days, which includes the uh, the triple overtime 76 finals. Then you get his coaching days that includes the triple overtime 93 finals. I think Paul Westfall is the, uh, is the answer here in the end. So... Uh, some actual kind of NBA news coming down this week, starting Friday on uh, on ESPN, and I'm gonna pull pull up my notes to make sure I get this right. There is a 16-player NBA 2K tournament using it with real NBA players playing uh, in the bracket. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are both there. Devin Booker is the five seed. He's going to take on the number 12 seed, Michael Porter Jr. And then you've got uh, DeAndre Ayton, who's the 10 seed, taking on Zach Levine. Uh, The number one seed in this tournament, Kevin Durant taking on a former uh, Phoenix favorite, Derek Jones Jr. Uh, It's an interesting thing. I'm not a big video game guy uh just because well i don't have a whole lot of time for it but uh to fill the void i'm actually looking forward to a little trash talk between nba players on on the virtual court and booker and ayton are on different sides of the bracket so there is a there is a slim possibility that we could get a booker ayton uh 2k finals i have personal experience i've talked about this on the show playing devin booker in 2k he beat me by 60-some-odd points. So I'm going to go with Devin Booker as a surprise run in this uh, in this tournament. Uh, and I think DeAndre Ayton's got less of a chance. But uh, we're obviously just guessing because none of us really know uh, how these guys play well, 2K. But, but, but I, I think uh, anyone who knows a little about Booker's loves knows that he really does love video games. Like, you know, remember the video where – he found out about the NBA season being canceled while he was playing Call of Duty uh, Warzone or one of those, any one of those Call of Duty games. Uh, he He's a gamer. He's like a, he has his bona fides. So I would not be shocked to see Booker go to the finals this thing or win it. I mean, I, I know there's some other guys clearly who do too. Video games are very popular in that demo. Um, but but I, I like Booker's chances. Yeah. I, Absolutely. Uh, Fabio. And yeah, the- I think Booker's going to do it too. I just feel like he is just because, you know, I know so much about NBA 2K that I, I just, I have the inside track. I know how it's going to go. <laughs> Fabio in the chat wants to know, is Aiden going to be tested for PEDs before this tournament? I don't know what. No, only if he wins. I don't know what would qualify as a PED for video games, to be quite frank. Adderall. <laughs> Does it- Adderall. The, 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 <laughs> some of the best players use Adderall. Is there, are there cheat codes still, too, like in, in NBA Jam? Like, is that considered a, uh, a PED in, uh, in 2K? Can we get some cheat codes? So, uh, I'll be interested to watch this, though, just uh, because I'm dying for anything that isn't uh, – you know, the work I have to do or, uh, you know, another reality show on Netflix. So, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting at least something that resembles sports in front of us. But, uh, 
And another another little off the wall question uh, for you guys and, and Rhett, uh, I'll give you the pass and, and make Dave uh, on the spot here. But if you had to spend your quarantine with one former uh, or current son uh, and you could not leave a house for multiple months, uh, who would you choose to spend that time with uh, that, that was once a son? Oh, man. Uh, you know what? Just for the entertainment value. So, okay. So I could go with someone I could hang out with and have a good time. Just hang out with as a dude. Um, I got along really great with Goran Dragic when he was in town. Loved him as a person. Such a nice guy. Um, he only had a couple of bad days there where I didn't recognize him, but the rest of it is such a nice guy. And even, he even says hi to me when, when they visit in the, and when, when we catch past each other in the hallway at the stadium, um, even these days. And Jeff Hornacek was such a good guy too. Uh, when he came back as coach, I didn't obviously know him when he was a player, I was too little, but as a coach, um, he was such a nice guy as well. I could, I could hang with those guys. Um, and Horny can bring his family and everything. That's cool too. Um, but really for entertainment value, it's gotta be, doesn't it have to be Charles Barkley? I mean, he lives in Phoenix. I would just go hang out at his house, be quarantined with him. I'm sure he's got a pool. He's got a hot tub. He's got everything he needs. And that dude, I'm sure is a crack up the whole time. And his nachos will be hot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, again, Jim, Jim Rose in the chat saying Michael Beasley. I think that, uh, that would at least be an entertaining way to get through your quarantine. I'll say that for it. Rhett, who, uh, who would be your guy? I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, go with Mark West. Uh, I don't know if you remember wow. much about Mark West, but that guy was about the most thoughtful, brilliant dude ever to go through the Suns organization. Like, I mean, he was just, uh, financially savvy. I don't know if the story was apocryphal, but I think, Oliver Miller maybe bought two luxury cars when he signed his deal and Mark West <laughs> made him return one of them or, you know, when you, when you saw him on the court, he was a bruiser, but then you'd see him off the court and he'd be wearing these little, those little round glasses, Harry Potter like glasses and, <laughs> and speaking so eloquently on any number of topics. Like, I just think I would like to just learn from the guy. He knew a lot about a lot of things. So I'm going Mark West. Uh, having, having wow, so you're going with someone calm. And reassuring. And yes, I'm going exactly. With and someone who can help me break this whole thing down. I want to know. I want to be able to analyze all these coronavirus statistics and get to the bottom of it. Mark West is my guy. You don't me. think Chuck would do that? Yeah, but Chuck's going to, he's not going to give you the right answer. I mean, he's going to be all over the place. <laughs> I, I, having hung out with Mark West, I think that is a pretty good, uh, a pretty good call there, Rhett. Uh, a genuinely good human being. Uh, I am on the fence, and there are two polar opposites uh, on my on my list. But one would be Marcin Gortat because I I dearly oh, love I hanging out with Marcin. <laughs> Marcin would uh, yes! would be damn entertaining uh, and yes. and fun <laughs> and, and another genuinely good guy. Uh, but I think I think edging him out slightly right now would be Al McCoy. I would love to spend. You know, I just wow. sitting there picking Al's brain about everything. I mean, I loved, I loved the few opportunities that we'd get uh, every couple of months where Al would come down to the area that we worked in, in the digital uh, uh, department, and he'd just digital walk in, dungeon. yeah, and he'd go, he goes, so what's the news, guys? And then we'd just BS for like thirty minutes, and he would, you know. I, he would complain. He did. He, it was just like hanging out with a normal guy, but then he'd drop a story about the 76 finals, how in the triple overtime game, uh, they were sitting up in the nosebleeds at, at, at Boston garden to call the game. And a drunk guy passes out in his lap uh, right around the, the end of the first overtime, I believe it was. And how he had to try to push the guy off his lap so he could, could make the call and stuff. And you'd get these random things. And then I'll never forget the first time I heard Al McCoy curse and my head about exploded because that's like, like 10 year old you that listened to Al. You're like, that's everything I always wanted to just, just to hear that kind of a word come out of his, out of his mouth with that booming voice. I think, I think I'd just be enthralled by everything that would come out of, out of Al while you're stuck with him for, uh, for months at a time in a, in a house. 
Plus, he can play I your piano. Realize, I didn't realize announcers were were in, it was were you know available <laughs> or coaches. Like I might have picked Cotton Fitzsimmons. How great would he be? Oh yeah. man, yes, so many good characters. This yeah. is great. Uh, you know, you take Jerry Colangelo, and he'd probably smuggle in some some awesome stuff too. I mean, he'd, he'd oh yeah, dude's the Godfather. He'll he'll you figure get some out inside ways to get stories with you. Oh wow, point. yeah, exactly. I, I feel like I feel like Jerry would know how to get you the uh, uh, the vaccine before anybody else could get it too. I feel like Jerry's that kind of guy. He he has the he'd connections. Probably, he's to probably get you already taken it. <laughs> <laughs> he he's got everything you could you could ask for. I'm sure yeah. there. Like I just you know, I I think I think what I'm realizing with all of uh, everything that's going on is how valuable that human connection is and those stories and just uh, you know the the value of of just that that storytelling and that that verbal communication just a you know really that connection that you get and uh, you know I've thought a lot about a lot of those moments that I that I had. Uh, with the team and with those people and Marchin and, and Al would be, we're two of those guys that I, I would love to spend uh, a little bit more time with if, uh, if had, if I had the opportunity to. Hey, Rhett, what's your, uh, what's your thought about that idea of the 30 team playoff? Like if they do come back and there's only time for just a playoffs and, and the other 14 teams are like, Hey, we want in. What do you think? I don't know. I don't think it doesn't scream fair to me at the end of the day. Like I, 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 I'm not sure. I I don't envy them trying to come up with alternate scenarios in this craziness. I I really don't. I, I think probably discretion is going to be the better part of valor and and they're just not going to end up doing anything. And this is all just, you know, kind of, uh, just no champion. No, no I, don't, just... I don't know what to do. I mean, look, I, I like. I think it would be super cool. I, the, the idea of get, getting an all quarantine city or a, arena where they just can hang out in the hotels and play, it sounds it sounds good. Maybe Jerry Colangelo could pull that off. Speaking of people who might be able to pull something like that off, <laughs> actually do it. Like, but it's just I don't know. I, maybe I'm pessimistic. I, I just I'm not sure there's going to be any real way to get this done. I don't know. Yeah, I I heard Vegas it was floated and it seems yeah, like the imagine. one city well I mean it's shut down they're not going to open it back up while they're playing so it has There's the capacity There's no way that city doesn't reopen if those players show up. No, oh, it, that's true too. I don't I don't know like it, the the capacity to have the hotels to pull it off have have an arena and actually two arenas that you could play at uh, within within distance of all those hotels, it may be the only actually three because there's the, um, the one that's right by the casino. Well, yeah, I was, I was talking, yeah, I was talking T-Mobile and Thomas Mack, but you could play Cox Pavilion too. So you could get three venues running, running at one time, uh, all within within a few miles. The the MGM, the MGM arena is probably big enough. That'd be a fourth venue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, possible i guess it makes probably more sense than any other place you could name but would i mean do you see i just don't see i just don't see the players agreeing to being away from their families being uh, being quarantined in a city playing in front of no fans the only way that this it, it seems legitimate is if the nba says look it's this or we don't pay you the remainder of your salary because we're just not going to make any money so you're going to forego X percentage of of whatever you were thinking you were going to make, plus there's no playoff bonuses, so that's more money you're leaving on the table. That seems like the only way you're going to be able to convince these guys, and still I think it's going to be a hard sell to get them to walk away from fam- their families to play in empty arenas. It's just going to be it, it's going to be a bizarre situation. That's a really good point. I mean, what happens contractually if if they don't end up doing? This sort of thing. I mean, well, I think the, they're the, agreeing the on players. Friday that they're going to reduce player salaries by one percent per game missed. Well, there's there's also the I believe it's called a so about majeure. eighteen to twenty percent. Well, I, I I also believe there's that uh, I think it's pronounced force majeure clause in a lot of these contracts where they could 
do the the unthinkable and pay nothing because it's an act of God. No, no, it's thing, a, it, so, it'd yeah. be a they're invoking the force majeure. They already um, Woj, of course, already tweeted this out um, that this doing the force majeure would be the act of uh, reducing their salaries for games they have not played yet. Okay, so, so. they got to pay them for the games they played. Well, no, I they, have been they already matured before in my life. I've been force majeured, so I know what that's like. Uh, there, there was a writer's strike. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, back in back in 2008, I think. And we were writing a pilot uh, for ABC Studios at the time, a television pilot. And uh, come the end of the strike, they voided our contract and just it was just torn up and we didn't get the rest of our money. And they they cited that clause, the act of God clause, force majeure. And so, and they, and it literally, we just, we didn't get anything more. There was no slight yeah. downward negotiation or anything. They just said, don't bother to turn it in. It's over, tore it up. It was, and that happened well, to a lot of writers actually. Right. Wow. Yeah. I think a lot of hourly workers have been forced majeured in the past uh, couple of weeks. It's just, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I just, <laughs> I, there's, there's no other way to, to say it. I mean, it could, uh, I've never. Well, the NBA is not making any money, so you can't really fault the owners for saying, Hey, look, man, we can't pay you another 20% of your salaries if we're not making it down. Yeah. I mean, it does make sense. But I just, uh, you have to wonder if after this leagues are going to start looking at it and going, we need to put X percent in a slush fund that's sitting there in case we get put in this situation again. So players, employees, all that's covered. The players still got 80% of their millions of dollars. I'm not worried about the players. They'll be okay. The players are okay. And the owners. I think the owners will be okay too. Yeah. I'm talking more about looking at the business operation side of this, because there's people like, uh, like myself uh, that, that were in those offices that are likely going to have to take severe cuts. They've even in the NBA offices, they've taken cuts. Uh, Some teams have threatened to, to cut salaries or lay people off or furlough them. Uh, It's just amazing to me in an industry like this, that you have not thought of, and and they'll have to. They'll be forced to now, having gone through this. If we get in a situation like this again, what do we do to mitigate the losses? Do we have some kind of fund? How do we look at this? How do we prepare? Because this is this is an unprecedented situation. We've never mm-hmm. dealt with anything uh, like this before. So it, it's a it's a little crazy, uh, quite frankly. And it actually feels like. Uh, it could be the start to uh, to Zombie Land three somehow, right? You know, it just it feels it has that eerie feel to it, where you're like, there's just empty cities, there's weird things. The least entertaining you know? sequel of all time. Yeah. I mean, shelter in place, and that's a thing. competition. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, none of us mentioned, and somebody in the chat did. Well, somebody also mentioned Michael Beasley for quarantining with another player. I don't know about that one, but uh, Steve Nash would be great to quarantine with, and none of us mentioned that one for sure. I don't know. He has he has a couple young kids now, and uh, I got one of my own. I don't need to add more into the mix. So, oh, so. you're assuming families come <laughs> with? No, it's just you and Nash. Oh, just me and Nash hanging out. Well, yeah, that's fine. If, yeah, sure. If Sean Kemp. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Tell you what, I'll just quarantine with you guys, just the three of us. We'll shack up. Sean Kemp's starting his own big three tournament, a quarantine edition himself. You know, <laughs> uh, he's, he's just running like six teams of three uh, just from his kids. In his own backyard. Right. What do you think of, of uh, just out of curiosity, because uh, it, it's, it's part sport, but part Hollywood, what they're doing with this big three tournament where they're partnering with uh, with the group that does Big Brother, and they're literally going to quarantine these guys in a house and play play a three on three tournament in it. I, what are, what are your kind of thoughts? On, I mean, well, it's I, like I, Big I, Brother, right? It's like Big Brother except with basketball players. I tell you, I mean, I I, I could not care less. Like if if there's <laughs> like. The, the program at the very bottom of all the programs in the world to watch, it, this one would be right below that. Like, I mean, I, 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 I hate the three-on-three three thing. Anyway, and you throw that big brother element in there. Oh, my God. I would not touch that thing. Oh, yeah, somebody's... Look, I, I, yeah, no I, don't, I, I don't identify with that 
with that group. I mean, I, I watch these guys just on the NBA TV doing players only nights and I, I don't like that either. So yeah. I can't imagine doing that kind of thing with three on three term. I'm, I'm with, I'm with yeah. Rhett. Some somebody's going to say something that's uh, going to be career ending. I'm sure, even though they're, most of them are, are past their prime. I mean, heck the XFL had open mics and, uh, and uh, McGloin, the quarterback in New York, uh, got himself in trouble during <laughs> a game. So I can't imagine. He just said this was the the worst run offense I've ever been a part of, and they had him on open <laughs> mic and they showed it on on TV. and And his coaches heard about it before I before halftime. Brilliant though, the open mics on the players yeah. and having the players interviewing right on the sidelines right after a play. I thought that was, I thought the XFL did great with their yeah. presentation. They just didn't have the audience. And then this shit happened. Well, I mean, the audience wasn't bad, but I, I yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that we're ever going to see spring football work, but, uh, Oh that, man, I've been talking about USFL. something not in ever. What was that, Rhett? I, Dave I rudely not, spoke over you. <laughs> no, no. It's just that the, the thing that I would, you talk about the show I would least likely watch, the thing I would least likely invest in in this world is spring football. I mean, <laughs> yeah. how, many, how many times does that have to happen before somebody realizes <laughs> this time going it's going to work? But, <laughs> but we need more football. We can jam it in there. Yeah. <laughs> That was like the yeah. old ABA, not the not the seventies ABA, but they they kept bringing back renditions of the ABA. And I remember there was like a Phoenix Eclipse team that Cedric Sabalos owned. They're like, "There's a new pro basketball." And I'm like, "No, this, this, just stop." We're like, oh, I did not know that. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah, we don't we don't need anything. Yeah, they like they were supposed to play in a college arena, and then it was like we play in high school arenas. It's like, yeah, okay, you, enough. We don't need any any more of that. So. Well, I think we've I think we've about exhausted everything that uh, that there is to talk about. Uh, well, here. no, let's talk about Rhett for a little bit. Oh, Look, I, we are I'm so sure. lucky to have you on this show. Um, oh boy, Rhett, nobody now wants to hear all, that. Dude, now that we're all quarantined, we have nothing but televisions in our lives. Some of us have little kids, like you guys, but the rest of us have nothing but television in our lives. Um, what is it that we should be binge watching, Rhett? This is your chance right here. Well, I mean, I, I'm just going to say what everybody else is saying. So you're 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 going to hear it again. But Tiger King was awesome. That's seven that hours. That was incredible. That, that I just loved. Uh, and, and so, and then we're watching Better Call Saul. We're catching up on that. Uh, we, it's uh, look the the great thing about I mean the great thing about all these streaming services is that all the archive materials there. So this gives us a chance to catch up on the. 35 shows we've been uh, feeling bad for not watching until now. So I think there's plenty to go back and find. But the, the Tiger King thing, talk about, you know, the right show at the right time. That thing is awesome, and it couldn't have come at a better time, and we really needed to just laugh and escape for a second. Right. definitely crazy. I, I'd like, I, I'd like to, to throw this out there. Uh, and I think Wayne is one that, that people need to, to, to go find and watch because – under uh i you guys did great with that and i think it was under underappreciated i think uh people should go find that one a perfect thing to binge watch here tell Thank us tell so us a much. little bit about what's behind that Brett. so you uh you put wayne on youtube tv right we did it was on youtube premium and YouTube you know premium. it was a tough it was a tough one because they really had a nice plan to to make television they had cobra kai already going already a hit most networks take years to find their signature hit. They already had Cobra Kai. Uh, we uh, were doing Wayne for them. We had a season loaded up and ready to go. And then they literally pulled the plug on the entire network. It was before, we, even with their hit show already there and with other ones in the pipeline, they pulled the plug. And at the time, we very naively let them talk us into going ahead and airing it anyway, even though they were not going to develop any new shows that the platform was still there to subscribe to. And they said, Oh no, you know, we're still going to do some things maybe. And, you know, it's like, don't, don't count us out, that kind of thing. And, and what we should have done was immediately say, no, no, we, we want the show back. We want to get it back yeah, and take right it somewhere else and put it somewhere where it's going to, you know, be viewable for a long time and it's going to last. And we didn't, we went ahead and let it air. And then it sort of became used, used goods, you know, a, a, over the course of its airing. And, and it was just too much to ask to, to get people to subscribe to an essentially yeah. defunct channel just to watch one show, unless you're going to do the, 
hey, buy the first 30 days and you're free and then you will refund you the money if you don't want to keep going or whatever. Like that, that I can see and some people did that. So I just got a pop-up on YouTube. Wait a minute, I just got a pop-up on YouTube because I don't do the premium or the TV or anything like that. Um, so I got the ads and everything. And it said 30 days free YouTube premium. Yeah, they still do it. There's just no programming to be had. I mean, it's essentially... I mean, I, there is some stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to misstate, but there's no original programming. Uh, you well, the one thing you do get when I did subscribe to it that I enjoyed was you do get to watch anything on YouTube ad free, so you don't have to sit through that. You know, the little ad that you can skip past ten seconds into it or whatever every time you watch anything. So that was nice, but it's something like sixteen or seventeen bucks a month. So that's sort oh, of a stretch. Oh, never mind. To, yeah, to to imagine paying that kind of money for something where you're just not getting anything. They have left it up. Wayne is still there. You can watch the first episode for free, but after that, you have to pay. And we're Wait, trying. I can get Apple TV and Netflix for as much money as I can get just YouTube yeah, Premium. But if, yeah, but if exactly. You, if you have YouTube TV, which is where I get my TV through, you can watch Wayne that way. That's the way I watch Wayne and Cobra Kai without. Oh, is that right? Me. I didn't realize I that. Okay, that's yep. good to know. So, is there a way that you can get uh, Wayne back? And we're we're actually trying to do that. We're trying to convince someone to make a season two. But part and parcel of that is trying to figure out what to do to get season one more viewable. I mean, there's been some talk that YouTube might pull it out from behind the paywall altogether and just make it free. The problem with that is the show is mature. It has it has violence and it has swear words and things like oh, that. So YouTube's not used to placing that kind of content out in front for free. Uh, and they've dinged a lot of the the young YouTubers who are making videos for their language and stuff like that. So they can't, they can't sort of apply a double standard there. Um, but our, our hope would be maybe it can come out from behind the paywall. And if not, maybe they would be willing to let it go and at least let season one live somewhere. Give it a chance to get some legs, e even without much marketing on a Netflix or an Amazon or somewhere like yeah. that, or yeah. HBO Max or any one of these other places. Okay. There's and enough of the them hopes now. We, Yeah, in the hopes that we, maybe we could get some momentum and get a second season. Like we're all dying for a second season. It got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was. It's got an IMDb score. It's through the roof. People who watch it love it, but just not enough people saw it. Yeah. I got right. I, Rhett, I, I'm interested in, in this. I'm somebody that's fascinated with all these streaming services that that, that are coming out. Where we're going to see an influx of them over the next few months. Uh, as a as a creator like yourself, is that exciting or is it? Is it troubling in any way? What is, what is it for you as somebody who, who creates the content for these kind of platforms? I mean, I think it's mostly exciting. It is difficult to find writers to staff shows because there's so many shows. So it, it is sometimes difficult to find the, the caliber of people that you want to put on a show when it's just everything is spread so thin. But in the grand scheme, it's really a golden age for writers and for creators. Like there's just a chance to get more on and more different places and more opportunities than ever before. Uh, I do think the the fragmentation of the audience is leading to lower budgets and fewer episode seasons. So I, I, I don't think, you know, these Games of Thrones is where you're they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars for a season. Like I don't think you'll see as too much of that. So you have to be able to work within your budgets. But overall, it's a great time to be working in TV. What do you think of the, the I believe it's pronounced Quibi platform that's coming out here in a few weeks? Is this short I have no me? idea. I have no idea. I know it has deep pockets. Uh, it's, it's, in theory, very digestible, shorter content for your phone. At one point, we heard a rumor. I don't think it's true, but they were forcing creators to shoot vertically so that, that people could watch <laughs> vertically on oh, their phone geez. instead of using landscape mode, which which just totally made us terrified. But right. we then heard that that was not true and that that was just, that was false information. But I don't know. They've got very deep pockets. It's Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman, and they had billions of dollars at least, I think, to get it up and running. So, and we're about to get a free version of it here soon to try to hook everybody. I have my, I don't know. I have my doubts, I guess, because it's just, there's a lot of new stuff and we only have so much money to spread around, especially during these times. But we'll see. I'm excited to see what they have to, on offer. I'm I'm fascinated by it because I heard it, they're bringing back Legends of the Hidden Temple, but it's adults that get a play at this time rather than uh, <laughs> rather than the kids. So that has me in, that has me intrigued. Uh, you know, that is Legends intriguing. The <laughs> so so um, so and you're, as far as like the Hollywood budgets, I know because of all what's going on, um, all the movies got stopped. 
<clears throat> nothing's in production right now. Is that right? Yeah, basically anything that has to shoot needs a set is just is just a no go. My guess is animations being done because that can be done sure. more remotely. Um, but uh, but but any, anything where you need to get a group of people congregating in an area to make something is not happening, and that's just about everything. But how long? Do, how how much time usually? Um, is there between finishing the filming with the actors, like you said, getting everybody together to do the filming, then the editing and the release and all that? Like, are we it's going to see new months. It's months yeah. and months. So we'll still see new movies this summer, right? Well, I mean, the question is, will will the theaters be open? I mean, a lot, a lot oh, of duh, theaters. duh. What am I thinking? Yeah, so okay. they've kicked, like, right. for instance, Fast and the Furious was supposed to come out in April, right? They were raring to go. They started to spend their marketing money. And then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They've pushed it a year, a full year back. And a lot, lot of other places are pushing stuff back and trying to grab release dates. And oh, right. so it's more now about the pipeline in terms of the theaters, too. Now, you have seen some movies kick over to streaming. So like the one with um, Mail Nanjani and Issa Rae, I think, jumped over to Netflix. It was supposed to be a theatrical release. So I think you'll see some of those. Some of them are being just the smaller ones. Or do you think Probably any big the smaller ones? ones because they need to recoup those big budgets. It's tough. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It would be interesting. I mean, Netflix may open up their pocketbooks and buy some of these bigger budgeted movies and put them on. But, uh, but if I had to guess, most of them sit out this coronavirus and, and wait for the theaters to open. So does 2020 yeah, become the, uh, basically the murderer's row of, uh, of films because we're going to have, all these big budget films pushing to 2021 and, and trying to find dates. It could be basically a blockbuster summer the entire year. If, if most, I mean, it could be, yeah. 2021 could be the most amazing year of all time. Right. Yeah. Am I right that, that, um, if you're a big budget film, you're trying to get a great release date. The first thing you're going for is, is summer and this, and, 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 and Christmas time, right? Those are the two big hits. And then, so if a movie is coming out, in February, March, it's usually okay. They don't expect it to make a ton of money, or they can't hey, compete hold on. against the. Hold on, you're talking. Right? You're talking to a guy who released a film in February that became the highest grossing, if I'm if I'm correct, right? Well, that's our rated film leading, of all time, right? <laughs> no, no, I'm leading to that. So what what is what goes behind the timing of a release and how you're gonna roll the dice and say, look, man, I can make all the money I want in February. How did, how did I, that happen? I think you're, it, it used to be, you were right, that it was summer, and look, for, first off, you are right, summer and holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas are still the most sought after release time, because that's when people go to the movies most. Summer kids are off school, and holidays kids are off school, and people just wanna be festive and see movies. So those will always be the prime spots. That said, slowly but surely, you know, brave studio executives have released movies at different times on the calendar to great, great success. And as such, now I think there's really no dumping ground. It used to be that September, October was an absolute dumping ground. And you just almost knew the movies themselves would be bad in those areas. (laughs) And and January, February, March, you know, same thing. But what you found was that that people started taking swing, big swings uh, because it was less crowded and it worked like you saw Marvel movies coming out, you know, in, in instead of waiting for June, which is what they usually did. They started coming out in May and then it was late April. They started pushing summer, toward, you know, forward. And then you saw, again, Deadpool's a great example. That was a February movie that just just blew up. And I think Marvel's proven it doesn't matter when they release their movies. They're always successful so that they they make the time rather than the time making them. Well, what were you thinking when Deadpool got a February release? Like, what did what, did that make you cringe a little bit, or did you or were you excited? Yeah, uh, I was a little nervous, but I think, and I can't remember the specific movies that that filled me with confidence. But there had been enough that had succeeded off off, you know, schedule so to speak. That I wasn't too nervous. I I felt pretty good about it so, at the time. So right. yeah, well, it was a good role. Do yeah. you, Do you have anything? Uh, Anything in the queue? Anything you want to want to promote? Uh, well, you have the ears of uh, the uh, tens of tens of people listening here right <laughs> tens now. Of people. <laughs> well, sadly, well, hey, I mean, we really we got, we got to apologize, stuff. man. We usually have a lot more listeners, but right now nobody cares about basketball. So uh, you're speaking into <laughs> oh, a void look, right this now. Is, I, I just—it's just fun hanging out, talking. I don't care if anybody. <laughs> we could be doing this uh, on an island somewhere. I'd be happy. So, look, I just want to get out of the house. This is this is the next best thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Question. What was the question? Oh, anything percolating. Yeah. We have a few things. Nothing was shooting. 
I mean, and, and in some ways that was a blessing because a lot of people were in the middle of shooting something and then they had to all come home. And then you're just wondering, when are we ever going to get back out there and all those things? Like we were about to shoot a new television pilot in April. That one got has gotten postponed. So we hadn't started it yet. Uh, we have a number of movies kind of uh, in the hopper that we're hopefully going to shoot later this year that still could or could get pushed or may never get made. One of them's Clue, uh, which is based Clue. on the old board game. Yeah, w- one of them is McScam, which is the drama- dramatization of the McDonald's scam that's now airing as a documentary on HBO. I've only seen one episode of that called McMillions. Ours is called McScam. Same story, but ours is the dramatized version, and that's supposed to star Matt Damon and be directed by Ben Affleck. Um, nice. But we'll see. Uh, and then uh, we have another Clue. Right? Well, Clue is Ryan Reynolds. Um, oh, nice. Originally, Jason Bateman was going to direct it, but his Ozark schedule got in the way. And so uh, now James Bobin or Bobbin um, from Flight of the Concords is in talks to do it. He, he, he may or may not end up doing it. I'm not sure. But I think that is probably happening. Uh, and then um, we've got a we've got a project over at Netflix. Uh called Spiderhead, a science fiction project that Joe Kaczynski is going to direct. He's, he's the director of Tron and, and the new Top Gun, Top Gun 2. Uh, so we're really excited about that. That could shoot later in the year, too. So we're, we're excited about that. And then we're writing a top secret project right now for uh, for Skydance, um, you know, the good friends of ours who we made a few movies with. Uh, so we have things going, and, and we're actually writing right now. Um, writers are the only ones who can work right now and editors basically. So, you know, there are some folks working around the edges and we're, we're ones of them, thankfully for us, very sad for everybody else right now. But, uh, so we are writing a new feature screenplay right now. We have a lot of television in the works too, of various places that, you know, could start shooting later in the year. So anyway, I I don't really have anything to promote. There's nothing for people to, there's no theater for someone to go to right now anyway, but, uh, but hopefully you guys can have me back on in the fall or, or y'all look tomorrow. I'll do it again tomorrow if you want, but (laughs) whenever you have me on next. We're doing these every Wednesday night, man. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A little more concrete. We can talk about Luka Doncic over, over big drinks and, uh, because I'll need one. Um, (laughs) so do you, last question and we'll let you get back to the, to the family, but, uh, have you ever written anything outside of screenplays? Have you ever ventured into novel writing or anything like that? Or have you just been so consumed with, uh, with writing TV and, and movies that you haven't uh, ventured in that? Kind it's of interesting area? that you asked that. Uh, you know, it sounds like I put you up to ask that question. I did write a novel that is available as an ebook on Amazon. Uh, it's called anxiety. It's a thriller. It's a short thriller. It's fewer than 300 pages. Uh, sort of a beach book, not not Shakespeare by any stretch. I wrote it a long time ago. I had been working on Monsters, Inc. up at Pixar, uh, and I had a very brutal uh, ending to my tenure there where I didn't get renewed, and it was very sort of tragic for me at that exact moment in my career. And so I said, you know what? I'm leaving Hollywood. I'm taking a year off. I'm writing a novel. So I took a full year off. I wrote the novel. It didn't get published, and I came running with my tail right between my legs right back to Hollywood again and started writing screenplays again. But but I think it's a fun little book. It's it's called Anxiety. It's on Amazon or I think whatever the iBooks, the Apple uh, store is, it's on that too. It's like $5, like so you can't can't really lose. I mean, I guess you could lose $5, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But, but I think it's only, kind of fun. It's only online, right? Yeah, only online. It never got published in actual paper form. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we'll check that check that out. Check out uh, Zombieland Two, which is uh, on demand wherever uh, you decide to uh, spend your money to to get films on demand. And you know everything else that uh, that Rhett's made. You guys are all familiar with him, right? Yeah, that's that, what I was trying to lead to. Is when you're binging, binge the Deadpool movies, binge the Zombieland movies. You've got what the Joe Schmo show, Invasion Iowa, GI Joe Retaliation. You got lots of stuff. Just look yeah, up Brett there's, Reese, there's, man. There's definitely some stuff to, to dig out if you if you have the time, which we all have right now. Which we all have. I feel but like I also I, yeah. I, uh, so, uh, but but go where your taste take you. It doesn't have to be to our stuff. There's a lot of a lot of great stuff in this world. I, I feel like the only one I can watch. I think it was Clifford Three, right? I feel like that's uh, <laughs> that's the one I can watch at home right now so. with your kids. They're making a new Clifford movie. You know, I, I wrote a Clifford. Greg's referring to a Clifford movie that I wrote a long, long time ago. It was heavily rewritten, so it's not much left of what I did in there. But 
but that said, they're doing a new Clifford movie, so there you go. Maybe that's your that's your next next. Uh, is home Ryan games. in that one too? It's <laughs> not Ryan Reynolds. John Ritter played the voice of Clifford, and that was the last project he did before he died. Oh, which wow! Was a very wow. Uh, sad. Well, there's uh, a but lot he, he was the voice of Clifford the Big Red Dog. Wow. Well, really? I I appreciate you stopping by uh if anybody's looking for my recommendation i'm hooked on a show called uh dispatches from elsewhere right now on amc mm. with jason siegel it's actually based on a uh a bizarre thing that happened in san francisco this game that the this group of people get pulled into uh and it, it's just it's so out there that i just got hooked on it so it, it's cool. it's running right now so you guys check that out too but rhett appreciate your time dave well, whatever i talk to you all the time so, <laughs> <You're here>. uh, <laughs> but uh but thank you everybody for watching and uh, those of you listening on the podcast we'll be back on saturday with more uh mid end season whatever grades whatever we're, we're calling to, quarantine grades that we're giving uh to the players and we'll talk uh, whatever else is going on and we'll be back next wednesday with another one of these uh solar parties where we uh talk god knows what so thanks guys and we'll, we'll talk to you on saturday thanks so thanks, much Brett. for having me ah uh, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.